loan officers. Join the mortgage calculator as an MLO for unlimited mortgage leads and up to 250 BPS compensation. All right. Welcome, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to the Calculator Loan Officer Training Series. We will wait just a couple of minutes here to get live on all the different platforms. We can go ahead and put the chat up and uh, can drop a comment there in the chat. I see some people already put comments in there. So we'll wait just a couple of minutes. Hope everyone's having a great week. Our last, last training, which was last night, we uh, discussed profit and loss loans and how to structure them. And today we're going to talk about how to actually originate them now that we know what they are and can use them as a tool. So kind of a, a carryover from last night here. See, okay, people dropping comments in the chat there. Good evening, everyone. And we'll wait just a couple minutes here. Appreciate everybody tuning in on time. All right. Hello. Hello. All right. Looks like we are good to go and we can go ahead and get started here. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and take the chat off the screen and we will get into it here for today. So welcome everyone. My name is Kyle Hershey, joined here by our resident Nick Hershey and our sales manager, Jose Gonzalez. We are the mortgage calculator, which is a correspondent lender that specializes in non-QM loans. Every Wednesday we do our sales training and today we're going to do a deep dive, I guess you could say, into the topic of originating profit and loss loans. Now, we did some you know, set up on this yesterday where we talked about what a profit and loss loan is, how we could use it. And today we're going to talk about actually doing them in real life as a loan originator. So I'll go ahead and pass it over to Jose here to go over his presentation. Go ahead and take it away, Jose. All right. Good evening or Good late afternoon for some of those on the West Coast. Everybody, thank you for joining us for our sales training for today, where we go into part two of our profit and loss loan coverage. Yesterday, we covered uh, theory, right? And today, we're going to cover some application. Now, um, profit and loss loans, for those of you that do not remember, and I'm throwing here a little bit of a refresher for everybody, is a loan that can that uses an unaudited profit and loss report to qualify the borrower. Those of you that weren't on yesterday's training but popped in today, you know, P&L report, unaudited, has to be prepared by a CPA, but very important CPA can mean actually licensed CPA, licensed tax preparer, or license or enrolled agent, which is the tax preparer would be an accountant and the agent is the person like at H&R Block that's not actually an accountant that with a license, not actually a CPA with a license, but they are um, enrolled of the IRS to unequally submit tax returns, right? This, and again, this is for self-employed borrowers only, no foreign nationals applicable, no no non-occupant co-borrowers. And this is usually a solution for a bank statement loan gone sour. You know, uh, you're sizing up the deal, you're self-employed borrower. Your first option is to go try to go full dock with tax returns. Then you would be going bank statement. And if that doesn't work out, you'd be going PL. Now, this doesn't mean you're gonna submit 
these files to underwriting. This is means in your review, in your analysis, we always have to provide the lowest cost option to the borrower. You know, however, if your borrower, you know, if you go through their returns, they don't add up. Or if your borrower says, "Hey, Jose, I don't I haven't filed returns this year. I didn't file returns last year. Matter of fact, I haven't, I haven't filed returns in a couple of years. You know, I'm in battle with the IRS. I don't want to pay them. That's fine." And you proceed to totally discard any tax return based option for your borrower, and then you would proceed to your next option, which be which which would be either twelve or twenty four months bank statements, right? Usually we like twelve months because it's easier to keep an eye on the trends, but twenty four months may give a little bit better pricing if it is offered. However, as stated yesterday, some of the things that can knock your loan. At a commission would be um, too many NSFs, too many overdrafts, inconsistent deposits, uh, declining deposit trends, uh, you know, closing a month always with really low balances. Because remember the business, if you're saying the business has a 50% profit margin and you're closing every month at almost a zero balance on the account, there's something going on there that's not being disclosed. Right. So any of those things can knock your loan out. And if you do seem that it's not going to work, don't try to force it. But because remember, if you try to force a loan and you go down a path, especially if it's a purchase, you may not get a second chance to remedy the situation if you get off to the wrong trajectory, especially if the remedy involves higher rate, lower LTV, higher fees, a combination of these, of these three or all of the above. And if that's the case, it's going to be an uphill battle to try to save your loan. So that's why we always talk about the proper structure on a loan. And we always talk about always setting the proper expectations for your borrower. If you're analyzing a loan in the beginning and you know you've identified certain potential pitfalls, make sure that you make that clear to the borrower in an email, of course. Isn't that something that's going to go on a phone call and then the borrower is going to tell you, hey, you never told me that. I didn't know about that. Oh, no, you, you're you the worst. No, you always want to convey in writing, you know, not text. Text is good for quick things. But remember, we want to do our business communication via email. We we, we need some type of a, of a paper trail, so to speak. So in case any misunderstandings or miscommunications come up, we can clearly re- Resolve the issue by showing the communication in writing. So always set those expectations. If you're trying for something to see if it may work, let the borrower know that's what's going on and make sure you have a plan B set up so that you can easily transition, you know, with, you know, saying, hey, we tried. I don't think it's going to work out. We knew it was a stretch. So, you know, let's proceed with this other one that's more, you know, doable. But again, make sure you have the time to do that because if it's a purchase and it's a 30-day contract, it's going to be tight. If it's a refi, totally much more flexible. Okay. So uh, this is one of the loan products that allows us to, you know, revive many deals that we may think are dead. This is one of the ones that's the mind blower because to think that you can simply get a piece of paper printed by an accountant on their letterhead and use that to qualify the borrower is pretty unique concept. So, I mean, there are certain certifications that the accountant 
or CPA, I'm going to use the generic phrase CPA, has to provide to show that it's not just simply a piece of paper being printed out from QuickBooks, right? But, you know, essentially uh, it's an unaudited income compilation, income and expense compilation report. So what I want to show you here, we went over the theory last night. We went over guidelines in terms of the different things we discussed, credit, assets, who qualifies, income, all those considerations. So now I want to throw down some examples here that you would face, real world examples, so that you can know when you're speaking with a customer how to make those connections in your mind because that's where the connections start you know you're somebody's talking to you and your your mind is going you're already you know putting putting two and two together in your brain as you're talking you're you're thinking mm, this one no mm, that one you're asking a few more questions right you're sizing up the deal because you know through all of these trainings and through all the searches that you do on all of those different pricing engines, all the different scenarios, you know what to expect, right? Pretty much what's going to happen subject to obviously interest rates are going to be different. You can't predict what that's going to be until you do the search. Guidelines sometimes change, but after you do this enough time, you're going to have a pretty good idea of which way you're going to take this, who are going to be the, the players that you're going to be able to submit it to. Keeping in mind, it's not a static situation. It does change, but this gives us a good idea of which way to go so that we don't have to, you know, waste time spinning our wheels trying to figure out or trying to, you know, as I like to say, push that square peg through a round hole. That's not going to work. And then, you know, everybody's going to get frustrated. So first example that we have here is the highest LTV example that you can get. Now, I had an email today, earlier today, from one of our team MLOs regarding not being able to get pricing above 70% on a profit and loss loan for a primary residence. Well, reach out to your team leader because it is definitely possible because here it is. This wasn't the only one, but this was probably the best one. This is 90% LTV with a 780 credit score for a one unit property. Now, make sure that, you know, you weren't putting a two to four unit property out there on, on that scenario that you were trying to price because there may be a difference here. Now, this is one unit and you see 9.25 is your lo uh, lowest cost option. I believe that was, I don't know, 1.625 or 1.925, something like that. And then you could buy it down to 8.99 so you know not not a really big rate stack here but it is what it is this is 90 percent ltv on a pnl which is seen as a little bit of a higher risk loan option than a bank statement option because in the bank statement option they can actually see money coming in whether the expense ratio really is accurate or not but they can see money coming in that's a given on the P&L, they don't see any money coming in. It's just a report. And if it's a refi, they may not even see any any bank statements at all because not all P&L options ask for two or three months bank statements. Some do. Some will ask you for three months bank statements to corroborate 
the recent activity on the P&L, but some don't. So make sure when you are selecting your option, you know which is the one that's going to most accurately reflect what your buyer is able to provide, right? So keep that in mind. Look at those bank statements. Don't be surprised. So there are not, there are not that many options, though, for 90%. So this is the best one that was out there. But keeping in mind that the best options are really at 85% and below. Because now here you see 9.375 is only costing, is zero, actually. It's a, a par. And then you can buy it down to a 7.875, which is not a bad rate. I mean, it's going to cost you, I think that's two and a quarter on that one, two and a half, something like that. So, you know, this is primary, one unit, 780, 85% LTV. Very good option for an alternative document loan. But you can see that, and this is the important, this is the reason why it's so important to provide your borrowers these multiple LTV options because it doesn't always make sense to have a really big buy down for a really minimal benefit right and you know at that point you're you're going to want to do several analyses analyses excuse me for your borrower to make sure that they're making the right decision so obviously one of them is going to be the quote that you're going to provide at the different LTVs with the different costs, with the different lender fees associated with it, so they could see which one they want to do. Uh, and then you're obviously they're going to see the payment there, but you're also going to want to provide an amortization schedule if possible. You know, you should be able to, you know, pull something up like that online and get some kind of an amortization schedule calculator. Uh, you can get them on Encompass, but you're probably not going to have this file set up yet in Encompass. But you could go to a test file. If you have your training file, for example, in Encompass, you could go in there and configure this scenario, print the amortization schedule from there, and, and have it handy so that then you could show your borrow at a 90% at such and such rate. This is where you are, 85%, such and such rate, and 80% so they could size up to see the full benefit and also to see then how long it is going to take them to recapture the benefit, whether it's a refi or whether it's a purchase, the benefit of the additional buy down cost. Because if it's like four, five, six, seven years, something like that, you know, they really have to be sure that they're going to be in that property for a long time because the present value of money is a lot higher than what it's worth seven years from now. That's the whole purpose of, you know, interest rates, right? So now <laughs> this is one that I love here, all right? This is going to open some eyeballs. This is a primary one-unit purchase with a 599 credit score. Keep in mind, you can still do 65% loan-to-value on this product with a 599 and still get 9.125 rate giving you a lender credit so you can see as the ltv drops you know i mean they really uh, loosen the restrictions and the pricing you know because it's it's again this is 
less risk. They're willing to take the 599 credit risk because there's a 35% down payment. And they know that people don't usually walk away from $175,000 really easily. So again, most of you may not be aware, but again, low credit score borrowers, 599 or above, you can go 65% LTV. <clears throat> so on the investment side, again, we're talking about higher LTVs relating to higher risk. Well, you know, prime example here, our investment one unit purchase at an 85% loan to value. Again, really make sure, you gotta really make sure to vet the reason why the borrower is going to an 85%. I mean, it has to be a really good reason. You know, now if, if they're saying they absolutely need that money for whatever it is that they need it for, that extra 5%, and they don't mind paying the extra money, so be it. Because here you're looking at 11% with a little bit of a lender credit and you can buy it down to 10.125% rate. That's pretty good for 85% on a P and L for a purchase. So let's talk about some cash outs here now for our investors, because typically that's what our investors love, right? They want to get some cash out of the property. So hopefully they can buy some more. So again, you see here, we can do 85%. This is rather odd where we have 85% on the LTV for the purchase. And we also have 85% on the LTV for the cash out refi. But you will notice there is a substantial difference in the cost. We're talking $5,313. So it's a little bit over like one and a quarter point to get you that 11%, and then you can buy it down to 10.25. So at the 85% purchase, we were on a $400 and change lender credit. And now on the refi, so you can see why with the risk associated with the transaction, cash outs are riskier transactions and purchase because they're not putting money down on a cash out. They are the opposite. <laughs> they're getting money out. Right. They're pledging the property, but there's like no skin in the game. Like when they're actually having to pull the money out of the bank and and and, you know, put it as down payment. So, again, 85 percent, you know, good option. But we always want to make sure to vet the transaction, because as you can see, when we go to an 80 percent LTV cash out, substantially better. Right. We're talking eight point three seven five with a $500 lender credit as opposed to 11% with a $5,300 cost. So, you know, figure that part out. Or if they want, they can do 7.25 with, you know, or let's say 7.75 at $4,500 cost, which is still a lower uh, cost than they were getting at the lowest cost option at an 85%. You know, so, you know, size up the situation or if you want to say, OK, I want to get the lender credit. Fine. You're getting five hundred dollars. So now you're talking about a six thousand dollar swing. Right. That's six thousand dollars more that the borrower is going to have in their pocket. That's one and a half percent. So there's only a three and a half percent 
of you know loan to value benefit here you know so whatever you know three and a half percent of uh, or was that 12 13 14 thousand you know so you know it might not be as lucrative as you think so do the math for the borrower also show them the amortization table so they could see at 11 percent how much principal and interest is is being applied and charged and at the lower rate, how much principal and interest is being applied and charged. And they're going to see there's going to be a really big difference, two, three, four, five hundred dollars a month difference. If you add up the extra principal that you're amortizing and how much less that you're paying, that's really what you got to do here. It's not really looking at the monthly payment alone. That's that's a real that's the simplified way of doing it easier, quicker. But when you're looking at a difference of 3% in the rate, you're going to have a really big difference in the amortization of that loan. Because if we look at the difference in the payment, we're looking at $3,040 here as our monthly payment for our uh, lowest cost option. And here you're looking at $4,047. So four thousand forty-seven. That's a thousand dollars a month difference in the payment, right? And that doesn't take into consideration the real difference we're talking about—the the amortization difference. You know, the principal that's being applied and the difference in the. So there's probably another two hundred dollars right there, or maybe even three hundred dollars right there difference. In, so it's probably going to be like a twelve hundred dollar difference every single month that's fourteen thousand four hundred dollars in one year so that that benefit that they're getting from that extra five percent really has to be like my mother's in the hospital i need the money for her heart surgery and if i don't get that full money tomorrow she's dying that's a valid reason but i mean other than that i mean it has to be a really good reason to pay that extra money and that actually is my last slide. I lost my presentation there. All right. I don't see any questions or anything, but uh, definitely great. As we talked about, definitely a problem solver. So make sure that we use that as a loan officer here at the mortgage calculator. Definitely something we have in our tool belt to use when you need to. Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up then. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We do this training every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. So Tuesdays we do our loan officer trainings, and Wednesdays we do the loan officer sales trainings, both at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So you can tune in, excuse me, tune into those every week. Also, we do our Daily Mortgage Rates live show every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern. So thank you, Nick. Thank you, Jose. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We hope to see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Everybody take care. Loan officers, join the mortgage calculator as an MLO for unlimited mortgage leads and up to 250 BPS compensation.